This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. You will go to our foundational scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 30. And we made a curve when God was teaching us on how to exist in these perilous times. And we just made a curve so that you can understand some things about making the right decisions in these unprecedented times. We're in this place of unprecedented times. And in the time that we live, it's a perilous time. It's a dark time. So here we have... God, we know that God was preparing the children of Israel here in Deuteronomy uh, to go into the promised land. And he was laying out for them decisions that seemed like it was... It, it would be obvious or simple for them to make. He was laying it out, putting it there for them, for them to make a decision. But in looking at Israel's history, you'll find out that he, they didn't always make the right decision. And God knew it. And we know it now. And God is saying the same thing about us. You haven't always made the right decisions, but I'm laying out for you things that you should do so that you can make the right decisions. You're going to have to make right decisions. Just like I said about your checks that you're getting. You have to make the right decisions. Amen. So God here is admonishing them in Deuteronomy 30. All the things with that when things get difficult and things are difficult right now, how to make the right decision. So beginning in, in Deuteronomy 30, beginning at verse 15, the scriptures read, See, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. Now, he said, I set this before you. Now, when he's saying this, we know he's talking to Israel, but this is apropos for today. This is a God has set before us. He said, what? Good at life and good. He said, but also there is, because of sin, there's also death and evil. Verse 16, in that I command thee this day. Everybody say this day. Say this day. Everybody say this day. He said, I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply, and that the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whether thou goest to possess it. But if your heart, if thine heart turn away so that you will not hear, see, you will not hear, I don't know if she knows what she's talking about. She's a woman. If it comes to a point where you will not hear, don't be caught up in the vessel be caught up in the word. Your commitment is to a word, not a vessel. Did you hear me? Your commitment is to the world. Listen what he says. Verse 17. But if thine heart turn away for any reason, so that you will not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day. He said, I'm telling you this day. Everybody say this day. Everybody say this day. Say it one more time. 
He said, I denounce unto you this day that you shall surely perish. Nobody can, nobody's going to pray you out of that. There's no purgatory. He said, you shall surely. When God says surely, just bank on it that it'll happen. <laughs> just say, you know what? It's going to happen. He said that you shall surely perish and you shall sure and and that you shall not prolong your days upon the land you cut your life short whether thou passes over jordan to go to possess it whatever you are passing over to possess verse 19 i call heaven he said so so remember the minister said this morning that you're going to have to stand and you're going to have to answer to different things that that you've done here on the earth and he's, he have it written down so you can't lie. Because, see, he said, if you lie, you're not going to even tarry in his sight. So he said, let me write it down so you won't start lying. And I, you're not, and I won't even talk to you anymore. It says, I called heaven and earth to record this day against you. Make a record of it. As Vivian Johns could say, make a spreadsheet. Make a spreadsheet of it. That I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Now, he even said, he said, not only you, but your seed. What does that mean? Do the seed just get in because of what you did? No, because you're going to teach your seed. And they're gonna live. Not because, it, let me, they, they, they can't be grandfathered in. It's none of that. It ain't, well, as long as my mother saved, I'm getting in. As long as my father. No, he said that you and your seed, because I know that you will teach them the ways of the Lord. And so, even if they get caught up in something, they're gonna be alright. Because you have taught them the word of God. So don't I, so children, I don't want you to just get caught in that and think I can do any old kind of thing, but I'm in. No. That's not what that's saying. Verse 20. That thou mayest love. Let me read from 19 and run into 20. I call heaven and earth to record this day against thee, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Therefore choose life that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life, and the length of thy days. Mm. He's your life and the length of your He's what gives you the long days. That thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them. Church, I want us to know that we cannot and will not be prepared if we are unable to make right decisions. You won't be prepared. If we're not able to choose life. He just told us what to choose right here in this scripture. If we're unable to choose life, church, we're not going to be ready to go through. Uh, let me tell you, you're, you're not going to be able to process this restoration he has for you if you don't make the right decisions. We will not be able to restore the breaches 
in our families, in our own life, that are there, that have been there. God said, I want to be able to help you in that, but if you don't make the right decision, those things won't come to pass. They're not automatic. They're not automatic. You have something to do. You have to make right decisions. Amen? We are not going to be able to be ready to establish the plan for the God's plan for our lives. We will not be able to establish our homes. We will not be able to make right decisions. We won't be able to deal with the times in which we live. You're going to fall apart because something else is coming. And you ought to, you ought to have been, if you have, if you know God in any way, you ought to see it coming. Things have already happened, but, but, but this is not the deep end of it. And that just what just happened is enough to say, God, something else has already came. And you mean there's more? Yes, there's more. Amen. And so you're not going to be able to deal with these times if you're not able to make the right decision. Church, we live in a time that we have health crisis, that we have economic crisis, we have racial divides, we have social injustices, we have everything going on. And if we're not able to go through this time because we're not making the right decisions, we're going to be in trouble. The church don't need to be in trouble, not when we have the answer. We should not be thinking and living like the world that has no hope when we have the answer. Are you following me? I want to make sure. One of, well, the intent of this series is to test our readiness. I want to know, are you ready? Are you ready to make the right decision? Are you ready to choose life? I want to test us if we're ready to be prepared. See, we are still in preparation. Are you ready to be prepared to make the right decisions? The purpose of this teaching is for us to understand that what is, what is required to make the right decisions. See, that's what we have to understand. The whole purpose of this teaching is that I understand what is required of me so I can make the right decision. Church, there are some requirements that have to be met if you're going to make the right decisions. I want to make sure that we're ready to go from just admiring people that know how to make the right decision. I want to make sure that you as an individual and as this church, I want us all to be an example of those who make the right decision. And then you no longer have to get amazed or be excited about what somebody else is making the right decision because I can make them myself. Amen? My goal is simple. I want to strengthen our resolve. We have to have strength in our resolve, both individually and as a church. I want every individual member of Church of the Living Water, to. I want your resolve to be strengthened. That's what we're here for, to strengthen it. I want you to strengthen your resolve. Amen? Now, we have been in this difficult time, and we're still, we've been in it for over a year now. And sometimes when you're in difficult times for a long period of time, you can begin to uh, lose your resolve. 
And that's why I want to strengthen it, because it's easy to lose it. That's what's happened to some people, even in this ministry. You lose your resolve as we're streaming. You lose your resolve just because of everything that's going on in the world. It's like, oh, God, you know, this, you know, where is God? And God, can you hear it? You start losing your resolve because time is passing. Are you with me? Amen. And I'd like to say it this way. The reason why you lose your, your joy is because you don't listen attentively, you don't submit fully, and you don't conform completely. Because if you do those things, you'll always have a strong, steady, ready resolve. You don't listen attentively, you don't submit fully, and you don't conform completely. And that begins to make you make wrong decisions. Amen? So I want to encourage us to strengthen our resolve to be what God wants us to be, to do what God has called us to do. Listen, I want us to strengthen our resolve so we don't defile our last decision by the next decision. Because after you make a decision about something else, you're going to be making decisions all of your life. So you don't want to null and void a right decision by making a wrong one the next time. Oh, I did so good here, and then now I did that. Like, like you're supposed to make that mistake. You let me tell you, you can hit the mark every time when you follow God. It's always when we get outside of the will of God that we make wrong choices. Amen? And so many of us have made decisions to do things that God has spoken to our hearts to do. We made, you know, we, we made a decision to prepare our homes. Listen, we've made decisions with our families. Just since the teachings in the last year, we've made decisions. We've made decisions to deal with the areas of our repeated failures in our lives. So you know what? I'm done with that. I'm tired of, um, I'm tired of going back and forth with that. I'm changing. But now, that we had made the decision, we want to make sure that the next decision... See, if you made decisions that I'm getting it right, I'm doing what's right, I'm pushing forward, now I must be prepared to make the next decision match up with that one. I cannot kill that one. Amen? So, so we got to make sure that we don't undo and undermine the last decision we made. The last godly decision you made. Amen. So in our earlier teachings, and I'm gonna, gonna recap a little for continuity of thought and we're gonna push forward. In our earlier teachings, we have learned some things. We've learned, first of all, that making the right decision requires commitment. You will never make and ever make the right decisions if you're not committed. And we learned that we have to be committed to God and that all commitment is to God. you got to say that in your mind. As long as you think that you're committed to a person, a church building, or anything like that, you're going to fail. Your commitment must be to God. That's how people jump from church to church. Because their commitment is to a building or their commitment is to a man or a woman and they want to become uncommitted to them and do something else. No, your commitment is to God. Listen to me closely. If God has called you here, your commitment is to God to stay because he called you here. Unless we got a schizo God to say, okay, time to move, time to do this, time to do that, time to do this. 
Time to do that. Now, listen, if you never were where you were supposed to be, that's a different thing. But you heard from God, and God has told you exactly what to do. You, the only reason why you get out from up under that is because you are trying to break or you are breaking a commitment to a person or a place. That's what you think. But the commitment that you've broken is to God. It's for you to hear. Amen. So you don't want to, you, you, you don't want to make wrong choices because something else is coming. Oh, so, where am I? You'll never be able to make the right decisions if you're not committed. And again, we must learn and know that our commitment is to God. Amen? If we're going to make the right decision, we must be committed to love God, to keep His commandments. If we're going to benefit from God's kingdom, we must love God. We must, uh, uh, let me tell you, if we want to benefit and we want others to benefit, we must love God. We must keep His commandments. We must make the right decision. Listen, it requires me to commit to a standard. And the standard here, Church of the Living Water, is Jesus. It's Jesus alone. Any principles, any information that we give you according to the Word, it is the standard of God. It is a standard of God. That's what you have to be committed to. Jesus and His Word is the standard. We must continually, continually raise our lives to the standard and not lower my standard down because of any situation or any circumstance. I will not decrease my standard. I will not lower it for you. That means, listen... Lowering your standard is a believer having sex outside of marriage. You lowered your standard. Children lying to parents, you just lowered your standard. I mean, I I could go through a whole list of things, but you get the gist of it. Anything, you just lowered your standard. We must come up to the standard. We must say, no, I'm going to stay right here at the standard. I don't care how much my flesh... Your flesh is never going to like a standard. Your flesh like a low standard because that's where it came from. Then we said that you have to make a commitment to purpose. And that is we have to make a commitment to the stage of life that we're in. And the state of life that we're in. And the place we find ourselves in the body of Christ. We got to understand and say, you know what? I see the whole purpose and I'm committed that this is the stage of life I'm in. I'm committed that this is the state of life I'm in. Don't get outside of it. I'm committed to find out this is where I am in the body of Christ. And then you have to be committed to it. You have to be committed. Then in our second lesson we looked at last week, the discipline is that we said that discipline is required if we're going to make the right decisions. We said discipline is forced obedience. It's self-imposed. you got to impose it on yourself. You have to make yourself obey. 
forced obedience that I make myself obey. I put myself in a position to serve the Word of God. I position myself for it. I make myself obey the Word of God. I must have discipline if I'm going to make the right decision. We said making the right decisions and being disciplined means that I have to abstain from fleshly lust. And that's more than sexual things. Abstain from fleshly lust. Then we said that you must deny your flesh. Make it obey. We said also that you don't tempt your flesh. Now I can handle it. How do I not tempt my flesh? I don't give my flesh access to things it cannot handle that will cause me to sin. Don't give your flesh access. You know what? I'm just gonna go on on and you know I'm 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 gonna see what he's all about. Uh, I'm gonna see what. Don't give yourself access to things you cannot handle. That flesh cannot handle and cause you to sin. Then also we need to develop self-control, and we learn that abstaining from fleshly lust and developing self-control is like diet and exercise. Remember, we talked on that. It's just like diet and exercise for our natural body. Just like your natural body needs to eat what's right, the right diet, and it needs exercise in order to have an optimal health, it's the same way the spiritual requires us to deny the flesh and develop self-control in order for us to maximize our spiritual health. You want ultimate spiritual health, then you must deny flesh. Ooh, and that's a hard thing to do because the flesh, the flesh be pounding you. But you have the strength of God. You have the strength. You have exchanged the lesser for the greater. So you can handle it pounding you. You pound back until you get it under, under the standard. Don't let it get above the standard. Amen. And then spiritual life requires that you deny your flesh, develop self-control in order to maximize your spiritual health, and be strong enough to make the right decisions. We also learn if you're going to make the right decisions, you're going to have to learn to be content. That is, you're going to have to learn the goldfish living. We talked about that. That is going to, I got, I'm going to have to live within my confines. I gotta live with, stay there. I'm living in the confines of what I have, not living above it, not going, not, not doing something. See, even with these checks, don't go and try to live above what it, listen, it's, that's, the, let me, let me tell you, it comes and goes. Money comes and goes. And the Bible teaches us money in the hand of a fool or a foolish person is soon departed. It takes wings and fly away. It takes wings and fly away for the foolish. So you can be smarter than that. There's no sense in being up under the standard of God and being dumb. You understand that God, I'm smart enough to say, you know what, I'm not going to let this take wings and fly away. I'm not going to be foolish. I'm going to do what he tells me to do with it and watch it increase. Are you with me? We also learned, oh, we talked about the goldfish living. Live within your confines of what you have. Be satisfied with what you have. 
And then know in and of yourself that godliness with contentment is great gain. Tell yourself that godliness with contentment. I'm going to be content. Because at the end of the day, you brought nothing into this earth and it's certain that you will take nothing out. So you need to learn contentment. If you're antsy, now all of us, because we're kind of contained at home and everything, you know, you can, but you know how I break when I get just kind of antsy at home? I take a ride in my car. And just enjoy the day. I'll just enjoy the sunlight. And I, you know, I'll just, I'll just ride around. And you know what? And I'm good after that. Just getting outside the house. But I don't have to say, ooh, Lord, Lord, I got, I haven't, ooh, Lord, I haven't been to TJ Maxx. And you all know about me and TJ Maxx at home goods. I mean, those things are going, but I've learned to be content. I say, you know what? I'm going to take a ride in the car. But sometimes I just do that. The other day I just rode down to Luland by myself, just thinking and just clearing my mind. And I just, 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 and, and the, it was a beautiful, like a beautiful spring day. And, and, I, and my sons always want to, want somebody to go with me. I don't need anybody to go with me. I'm like, I, some, I like being by myself. I like just me. I have a lot of things that I'm thinking about. And sometimes you just want to pray and you just want to, you know, just be. And then the day is so beautiful and all of that just helps me. I don't know about you, but but just just antsy that I got to do this and I got to do that. And I'm just so tired of this. I'm just learn to be content. Are you following me? It's great game. Now, if you got all of that, go with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. And subtitle this, this one, The Sacrifice Required to Make the Right Choices. The Sacrifice. This is the new information. The Sacrifice I Need to Make to Make the Right Choices. Making the Right Decisions. I didn't mean choices. I meant decisions because you, you're going to choose one way or the other. But if I'm going to make the right decisions, there must some, be some sacrifice required of me. The decision, listen, making the right decisions, the, the, the decision to be ready, the decision to be prepared, the decision to choose life, every, every time... It requires a sacrifice. In all of the things that I'm talking about, it requires sacrifice. I'm going to tell you now, you're not going to get away with just thinking you could do it. There will be a sacrifice. Making the right decision, it requires a sacrifice. Now, listen, what makes a, uh, a decision tough, that's what makes a decision tough. Sacrifice. That's why it's so tough for people to make a decision, is sacrifice. Are you following me? Listen up closely. It is the fact that the right decision requires a sacrifice that makes it difficult to make the right decision. <sighs> it's going to be, oh, I got to do that. You know, that's why when your parents try to talk to you, something like you, oh, Oh, they got, and you got that look on your face because now I have to make a sacrifice. And I don't want to. But you're going to have to to make the right decision. When you don't want to, you're going to make the wrong decision. If I'm going to make the right decisions, I'm going to have to sacrifice some things in order to be ready. If I'm going to make the decision to restore the breaches in my life. 
I'm going to have to sacrifice some things to resolve those breaches. They're not just going to go away. I've got to make some sacrifices. If I make a decision to establish a plan for my life, okay, let's sit down and let's plan for our life. It's going to require some sacrifice. In order to establish that plan, you're going to have to do some sacrificing. If I choose to establish my house based on the principles that are being taught, it's going to require a sacrifice. In order for my house to be established, it's going to take sacrifice. See, this is what you have to understand. You can't have it all. Understand that. You can't have it all. Listen, and I know we live in a world and we live in a system that, or a country that sells that, that you can have it all. Just give, you can have it all. That's the American dream. You can have it all. But the reality is, you can't have it all. Listen, to have some, some things that you even want, or even what you think is having it all, you, you know what? You know why you can't have it all? Because you're gonna have to give up something to get it. So you can't have it all. You're gonna have, that's the sacrifice. You're gonna have to give up something. Are you following me? So listen, before you get to thinking, I really want it all, I want you to listen to this. And before we get to the point of, uh, of this morning, I want to remind us what the word sacrifice means. You know, in the Old Testament, a sacrifice was an offering to God. In the Old Testament, when they made a sacrifice or an offering to God, the sacrifice was consumed. Catch this. Listen carefully and listen attentively. When they sacrificed or made the offering to God, it was consumed. It was consumed. It was burnt with fire. It was destroyed. <laughs> Listen. But the thing that made this a sacrifice, a sacrifice, uh, the reason why it was a sacrifice, it was something that you couldn't get back. See, a sacrifice is something that you don't get back. Because, listen, if you get it back, then it's no longer a sacrifice. That's why it was consumed and burnt and destroyed. Because if they took it back, it would not be a sacrifice. Hold that thought. Because we're trying to see how we're going to make the right decisions. So it was destroyed by fire. And listen to me. <clears throat> it was consumed. It was destroyed with fire. It was something that had some value. But it was still destroyed. It was something that had value. Now watch this. In the Old Testament, they were to bring the best. They couldn't bring nothing limp. They couldn't bring nothing no, uh, uh, animal that had any, anything wrong with their thing. They had to bring their best. They, that, then this had to be sacrifice. And I could imagine in some of their minds, they're thinking that they felt like a, that was a high price to pay. 
bringing their best. They brought their best goat. Their best turtle dove. And they're thinking, oh, I'm, you know, all these other ones I could have gave, but I have to bring my best. And I'm bringing it to be sacrificed. Did you hear me? I'm bringing my best, and I'm bringing it to be sacrificed. And I can't get it back. Because in this sacrificial offering in the Old Testament, they consumed it with fire and destroyed it. They're literally going to slay it. It was slain and burnt on the altar. And watch this. Again, the reason why that was, because God, God is awesome. God made sure it was done that way so they wouldn't get it back, so the sacrifice, so that their decisions would be complete and the sacrifice would be accept, uh, uh, accepted. Because if it wasn't, they were subject to come get, they gave their best. I'm going back and getting mine. And listen, the reason why it had some value is because the sacrifice was giving them, listen, access to something of greater value. That's why it had to have value. Because it was giving them access to something of greater value. So they may have to slay one of their animals. And, it, and, and, and just think about it. And it may have cost them to buy that animal. That animal was expensive for them because they had to get the best. They had to purchase that. And the animal was going to be slain. But it pales in comparison to what they got in return. Listen, what they got in return, that's why God kept the sacrifice, burned it, destroyed it. What they got in return for that sacrifice was the atonement of their sin. It's just washed away. I mean, you were just like an innocent baby for that whole rest of the year. My God, you when you look at it, you'll be like, but well, the animal wasn't worth nothing. If God take, take away all of their sins, the atonement, that's what they had access to for that sacrifice. So all of a sudden, when you thought you paid a lot for it, or you thought it was of great value, when you saw what you had access that had so much greater value, it became easy to do. You start looking for the best because you like, if I can get, get the best on the sacrifice, the best on the altar, I will have atonement for the, my sin. And the atonement of the sins were greater than the sacrifice that was being made. So much greater. Why am I saying all of this? Because that is what sacrifice is. Did you hear that? That is what a sacrifice is. Give you access to something greater. Sacrifice is when you exchange the lesser for the greater. That is, you give up something. Listen, the lesser doesn't mean that it doesn't have any value. It just means that it's less value from what you're trying to obtain. It's lesser value. That doesn't mean it doesn't have any, any, any value. No, it's just a lesser value of what you're trying to obtain. A sacrifice means that I'm going to give up the lesser 
Because I desire the greater. Now, see, you got to desire the greater. Sacrifice means that I'm going to give up short-term pleasure for a long-term gain. And we talked about that in this ministry. I'm giving up short-term short pleasure for long-term gain. In other words, something may be enjoyable for a moment or for a season of time. But I'm going to give that up. Because what? I'm looking for a long-term benefit that's greater than this short-term pleasure. Listen to me, young people. What you think is that short-term pleasure that you keep running after, that you keep thinking that's going to be it, give it up for a long-term gain. You just don't see it right now. Older people, that thing that you're running after, that thing that you want so bad, give it up. Sacrifice it for a long term. It may have some value, but you want to exchange it for a greater value. And a long term, short term, let me tell you, short is short. Short is short. Not going to have it that long. I'm going to give up the lesser. I desire the greater. You have to tell yourself, you know what, Mm mm-mm. I'm going to give up this short-term pleasure. I want a long-term gain. I want it to last from generation to generation. I want it to last all of my life. And I don't want this little short-term pleasure that I do to ruin, make a bad decision and a wrong decision that just messed up the right decision I made and just set everything back. You don't have to do that. To sacrifice means to go without Listen, so others might have. Oh, nobody wants to do that. They might have more than me. I don't want to sacrifice. You know, I don't know. This may have happened. This may. I don't want. Listen, a sacrifice, it means to go without so others might have. That is what a sacrifice is. It means I'm going to go without something because I want someone else to be the benefactor or to have something. Sacrifice also means to suffer the loss of one thing in order to obtain something else. I'll say it again. Sacrifice means to suffer loss of one thing in order to obtain something else. So when I sacrifice, I'm literally giving up one thing, but I'm getting something else in return. Just know that. Whenever you make a sacrificial offering, know I'm giving this up. But something else I'm going to get in return. And it's going to be greater than this. So you can't see it's greater than that because you want to hold on to it. That's not sacrifice. Note this as your first point. Write this one time and you don't have to write it again. Making the right decision requires... Point number one, that I sacrifice my life. Oh, I know. Yeah, that you sacrifice your life. Our example was Jesus. Jesus sacrificed his natural life. He laid his natural life down. He literally died on a cross 
for our sins, not his, our sins. He exchanged the lesser for the greater. And you know, when I start thinking about that, I was thinking to myself about the, these definitions that I just gave, and I began to think about Jesus, and I thought about who I was. He came and died for me. And you know, you sacrifice the lesser for the greater. And I said, well, there's, you know what, maybe we're missing it here. I'm like, because I'm thinking to myself, well, that's an uneven sacrifice. Because you're saying you sacrificed the lesser for the greater. And he died for me. Is this saying he was lesser than me? And I was thinking to myself, well, this, 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 no. This is an uneven sacrifice. Why? Because Jesus is better than me. I know that. So I'm like, mm, something is just not clicking. Until you ask God. Until you ask God. But for me, it's like a sacrifice is greater for the lesser. That's what it seemed like to me. I just got the greater for the lesser. Because I'm, uh, no, I'm the lesser. He's the greater. And then God brought understanding. Jesus sacrificed his natural life. His natural life. And when he compared, listen, his natural life, he compared it, his earthly body, listen closely, attach it to what you heard this morning. Let me tell you, let me say it again. When Jesus, he sacrificed his natural life, his natural body, and when he compared his natural life and he compared his earthly body, listen, to my everlasting life, he was willing to exchange the lesser for the greater. Oh, you must didn't get that. There it is. There it is. He said, I'll, I'll, I'll go down to earth. I'll sacrifice this body. I'll sacrifice enjoying everything that I've made with the work of my hand so that they might have eternal life. What a greater. Then the understanding comes clear. Oh, what a sacrifice. That I might have eternal life. That when I die and this body is laid in the ground, that my soul and my spirit is intact. That's the greater. Well, I have remembrance when I see my loved one. That's the greater. He was able to give up his natural life so that I could have access to everlasting life. When I look at what Jesus did, he was willing, listen, to give up short-term pleasure for a long-term gain. We think all of the pleasures here. Let me tell you, Jesus could have said, I'm going to enjoy everything on earth. It's all made by the works of my hand. I could enjoy the, but he knew it was only going to be 33 years. That's a short-term pleasure. He was willing to exchange. He was willing to go without so that someone else could have. He was willing to leave his place in glory. Now that's just amazing. Leave
did his place in glory. And he was willing to come down and be fashioned as a man. Put on this nasty, stinking flesh. He was willing to give up all of his power that he had in heaven in order that he could put, in order that I, you, and me can have power on the inside. Exchange that. Remember when Jesus left, he said, All power I'm giving to you. Make an exchange. You ask anything, because I've made the exchange. No, I'll be with you always. Matter of fact, I'm going to send another to come and take his abode in you. So that you can walk this walk. What a greater. What a greater. He was willing to take the loss of one thing in order to obtain something else. He was willing to suffer the loss of natural life to obtain me and you. He said, I want them, as I'm an heir, I want them to be joint heirs with me. I make the sacrifice. Make a sacrifice to make me a joint heir. He's our example of what we have to do. See, this will get you out of bondage about money, about things, about stuff, about church, about... See, this will get you out of it if you understand it. See, you're not going to be able to make the right decision unless you're willing to sacrifice your life. And Jesus explained it right here in Matthew 16, and I'm going to start in verse 21. He explained it, and I want you to hear it. Beginning at verse 21, he said, From the time forth, from this, from that time forth, began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, that this shall be unto you. But he turned, and he said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savest not the things that are of, be of God, but those that be of man. Verse 24, Then said Jesus unto them, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life, I'm telling you now, shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, let me say that again, whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, not just lose your life, but lose your, his life for my sake, shall find it. And what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul, his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here 
There's some sitting here. There's some sitting this morning which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. What a mighty God we serve. He just explained everything that we... I'm telling you, the Bible will teach itself. As Jesus is letting them know, there's no way for me to be redeemed, for me to redeem you without you going through a sacrifice. But there is a way for you to have life. Listen, there is no way for you to have life. No way. Everybody say no way. There's no way for you to have life without you going through sacrifice. No way. Not life. When he said, whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, if you study this out, you realize that Jesus is saying this to everyone. He's saying, anybody, anybody who tries to make their life whole and complete without God, you're going to lose it. Did you hear me? Anybody, I don't care your status. I don't care. Anybody that tries to make their life whole and complete. See, you can get yourself caught up in a whole bunch of stuff trying to make your life whole and complete. God said, you will lose it. You cannot make your life whole. You cannot make your life complete. You cannot cause your life to be fulfilled. Without having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I don't care what you do. That's why you try and doing different things and getting caught up in all kind of bondages. You're still trying to fulfill your own life without God. Oh, you can use the name of God. I'm not impressed with people just using the name of God and saying they're Christians and doing all that. Let me tell you, the proof is in the pudding. Everybody calls themselves a Christian these days. Everybody. But you're never going to make your life whole, complete, or fulfilled without God through Jesus Christ. If you try to make your life all by yourself without God, I'm telling you now, you are going to lose it. Your life, you're going to lose it. See, in, in, in the eyes of the world, you might look great and successful. You might seem everything else. But... Did you hear the minister this morning? There's a life after this one. And I don't care how many people that say R.I.P. and they are angels now and, and you got your wings and they got their wings. They can say all of that. It does not make it true. You have to be living what his word says. You're going to lose it. That's why so many people that are in the world today, they're distressed, despondent, they're down, hurting, struggling, suffering. Why? Because they've been trying to save their life, doing everything. And, they, and they're just getting deeper and deeper in depression, but they're still trying to save their life. Every step of the way, they, 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 every step they make, they're making it to try to save their own lives. And every step they take, they're losing it bit by bit by bit.
by bit. Then he said, if you lose your life, you will find it. (laughs) The word lose or the phrase lose your life means I have to be willing to sacrifice. That's what save your life means. Or lose your life, I'm sorry, means. It means I am willing to sacrifice what? My feelings, my desires, my affections. I have to be willing to sacrifice those things because they're all real. But are you willing to sacrifice them? Especially when they go against the Word of God. Because here's the bottom line, church. My feelings, my desires, my affections, they are the lesser things. They are the lesser things. I have to be willing to sacrifice them to get the greater things. If you're going to make the right decision, it requires that I sacrifice my life. That means that it requires letter A, a willingness to sacrifice my will. i got to sacrifice my will. Because guess what? God gave everybody a will. He's not going to force it. But you got to be willing to sacrifice that will He gave you when it's against the Word of God. My will is a lesser thing. He. Listen. Listen. This is how you understand how to get your will under control. Think of my will is the lesser thing and his will is the greater. So now I've got to sacrifice. Because I want to what? I'm exchanging the lesser for the greater. You've got to look at your will as the lesser and his will as the greater. My will is consumed, listen, with short-term pleasures. His is consumed with long-term gain. Showing you the difference. My will doesn't want to give up anything now. Anything. His will wants to give up some things now for something better later. See, it's a difference in your will and His will. My will wants to enjoy life now. I just want to enjoy life. His will It's for me to have life and have it more abundantly and have everlasting life. We just want the here and now. Listen, if you think nothing's going to happen after death, you might as well join the Jehovah Witnesses. Because they believe once you die, you die like a dog and that's it and there's nothing else to it. If you think that that you can live any kind of way, do any old kind of thing, and you just, you know, nothing's going to happen, something's going to happen after you leave this body. Are you with me? Your will don't want to give up anything. But God's will, Jesus' will, wants to give up something now for something better later. My will wants to just enjoy life, do what I want to do. No, he said, I want you to have abundant life and have everlasting life. My will is always selfish. His will is my life, for my life is to be a blessing in the lives of others. I have to be willing to sacrifice my will for His will. See, our will is totally... We're just as selfish, not Him. He said, no, I want to give it up for the lives of someone else. I have to make my will an offering. Oh, everybody, when you say offering, all they think about is money. That's, that's a person that's trying to make their own life whole. 
That is, I have to be willing for my will to be burnt on the altar, to be consumed, never to come back into my possession again. That is what a sacrifice is. Our Father, I hand my will to you. I put it on the altar. Let it burn on the altar. Never, I don't want it in my possession anymore. I sacrifice it. That's saying for the rest of my life, it is no longer my will, God. I've allowed my will to be burned at the altar. I've I've laid it down, Lord, my will. From this point forward, it's only your will, Lord. It's his will. What is it that he desires for men to do? Listen, making the right decision requires, let her be, my willingness to sacrifice my desires. My desires. And I'm going to show you how you do that. First of all, your desires is a lesser thing. That God wants you to exchange for the greater things. My desires are all about short-term pleasure. But what he desires for me has a long-term benefit. My desires are often, often, more than often, selfish. And about things that I can consume upon my own lust. It's always about that. But his desire is for his will to be done through my life. The Bible tells me that I have to delight myself in the Lord. And he'll give me the desires of my heart. Listen, if I delight myself in the Lord and He gives me the desires of my heart, He grants me actually what His will is. Why? Because I've decided to make His will mine. So now He's going to grant you His will because I've sacrificed mine. So He said, now you're going to get the greater, my will. Now notice, it did not say, delight yourself in the Lord and then go back and try to get everything that you originally, uh, the original things you was chasing after. Okay, okay, now. No, I'm delighting myself in the Lord that I'm gonna stop and, and I'm, I'm, I'm gonna stop trying to do my own thing. I'm gonna delight myself in the Lord. My delight is gonna be His life in me. He's going to be the delight of my life. And the delight of my life is a relationship with Him. That's the delight of my life. There's benefits for for allowing Him to be the delight of your life. The delight of my life is to see Him when I'm no longer in this body. That's the delight of my life. The delight of my life is to see His will in my family, in my children, in my grandchildren, in my home, in my environment, in everything. That's my delight. That's my desire. I don't want, I don't want some of my loved ones not to make it. Because they're making the wrong choices. I want my delight to be His will. The Bible says God takes no pleasure. Of anyone dying without him. That should be my will. Not, well, I kept ministering to him. They don't want to hear, hey, whatever happens, happens. No, that's not his will. That's your will. Are you following me? 
God is just so good. The delight of our life is to see His will in every area of my life. The delight of His life is to see me being used as an instrument of righteousness. See, I'm telling you the desires and the delights of God's will. He wants to see you use. I don't care what mistake you've made. I don't care what you've done. God, get in position with God. He desires and delight in you being used as an instrument of righteousness. The delight of my life is when I can seek, listen, and save the lost. Where is it? Where is the hunger and thirst to seek and save the lost? When God can use me to be involved in the process of restoring the, the hurting, the loss, the struggling. I can do that if I delight myself in the Lord. Why? Because His delight becomes my delight. I know what He likes. He, and when His delight becomes my delight, He grants me the desires of my heart. And the desires of my heart is His will. I want to do, I want people to have what God says that He has for them. Church, the willingness to sacrifice my desire means that my desire has to be consumed. It has to be. It's a sacrifice. And God said, let it be consumed so it won't consume you. I don't want my life to consume me. I have to burn my desires at the altar before the Lord. Otherwise, my desires may consume me. I must do this if I'm going to make the right decisions. It's a must. I have to do it. Then making the right decisions, let us see, is a willingness to sacrifice my plans. Notice, he said, if you're going to have to, if you're going to come after me, you're going to have to deny self. Take up your cross and follow me. That means now the course of my life is laid out. And it's the course that he's laid out for me. Now I'm no longer making my own plans. I'm no longer eating out of my own course. My plans now is to follow him. Not just in word. But in every area. My course now is his course that he set before me. You must be able in a sacrifice to deny self and follow him. My, just think of my plans are lesser. They're the lesser plans. I don't care how good they sound. Listen, decisions seem tough at times. And you have to make them because why? It is the righteous decisions that's going to lead you to life. So you have to make the, the right, the wrong decisions is not going to lead you to life. It's going to lead you to death in different areas of your life. But the right decision is going to always lead you to life. And when you look back on it, on your life, you'll realize it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't the, that the decision was so tough to make the right decision, the reality of it is that, that really is that it was an easy decision. It's the flesh. You know, we are, oh, that's a hard decision. No, it's never a hard decision. Now go with me to Philippians chapter 3. 
Philippians chapter 3. Second point. To make the right decision requires that I sacrifice my trust in me. (laughs) Or my trust in myself. Now, I know that sounds funny, but that's the best way I can say it. I have to sacrifice my trust in me. To make the right decisions, I must sacrifice my confidence that I have in my flesh. That you have in yourself. The confidence that you have in your natural abilities. Your, you know, the confidence that you have in your accomplishments. And the things that I think I know, you know, we know everything. And the things I think I can do, I have to sacrifice my trust in me and who I think I am. And, you know, it's not easy to sacrifice the confidence that you have in yourself. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, a man's man's ways always seem right in his own eyes. So it's not easy to just say, you know what, no, this is not it. In other words, in other words, I'm saying it like this. You don't wake up in the morning and say, you know what, I'm going to make a horrible decision today. I know every decision I made, everything that I think on today is going to be completely wrong. You never say that. Why? Because you trust in yourself. You trust in you. You have some confidence in you. But when it comes to making the right decision... To choose in life and doing what's necessary to be prepared for the next move of God, I have to realize I can't put trust in me. Now, when it comes with the next move of God, I can't put trust in me. The Bible tells us in Proverbs, it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not into your own understanding. Stop getting into yourself. But in everything, not some things, all things, acknowledge Him and He will direct thy path. He'll always give you the answer. You don't have to, you don't have to worry about, I don't know if I want to make the decision. Let me try to talk. If you delight yourself in the Lord and lean not into your own understanding, He'll direct your path. Look here in Philippians 3, Paul understood that he had to sacrifice. His confidence or his trust in himself. Look at uh, 3, beginning at verse 3. For we are the, of the circumcision which worship God in spirit and, in, and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath, <laughs> wherefore he might trust in the flesh, I more. You, y'all just don't know. Well, let me tell you a little bit about myself. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, not the plain, not the commoners, of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law, I was a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, well, I persecuted the church and didn't even know it. I thought I was doing something for God. Touching righteousness, which is of the law, I was blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I counted all things but loss. But for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, 
and do count them but dung that I may may with Christ be found in him. Listen, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Paul was saying, I had to sacrifice, give up the lesser, everything that I put trust in. See, he, he just told you, I trusted those things. And we put trust in most of us. Ourselves. Paul said, everything that made me, me, I had to give up my confidence in. I sacrificed it. Lesser things. I see a lot of the ministers at this church and deacons and different ones. I mean, these, uh, these men, they, you know, they got nice jobs and things. But I, I, let me tell you, I never see them sacrifice the things of God for, for their jobs. And for what, you know, what, what degree they have or whatever. I, you know, I've never been so impressed when, till I was at, um, Brother, uh, Martin's father's funeral and all the things they said about, it. I never knew. And I'm like, because he didn't trust in those things. And you could tell because I was like, oh my God, oh my God. It was just all the different things nobody even knew about. Nobody, Brother Martin never talked about. Brother Martin don't even talk about all these different families, all the different things that they do. None of that. Because their trust is not in it. His trust is not in those things. This is what Paul is talking about. I was the Hebrew of you. I had all of that. I done all of that. I got the big job. I, every, I was the Hebrew Hebrew. I ran things. I'm this or that on my job. He said, but I sacrificed it all because I found out it was the lesser. I was so impressed with that because I said, oh my God, you could see it. I could feel it. I could see it. I was like, amazing. And that's what I see among the men at this church. Those of you that don't belong here, let me tell you, the men of this church are truly men of God. And I've seen where they try. Our deacons, our, our ministers, our just men, they sacrifice the lesser for the greater. So note this. Making the right decision requires the willingness to sacrifice my identity. That's how I identify myself. That's how I identify myself. How do I identify myself? However you identify yourself, listen, that is the lesser thing. That is the lesser thing. And it's hard to stop trusting in your own self-identity because why? You've built it over time. You've been building it over years, so people don't want to give that up. And it's been reinforced by people telling you who you are. Oh, you got this. Oh, you this, you that. Or what your personality is. Oh, you know, you this. You've been built, you know, built you up by your decisions that you've made and your successes. Build you up even in some things you failed in. They're still building you up. And after a while, you start trusting in your identity. 
After a while, because so many people have said so many things about it, you start trusting in our identity more than we trust in God. And more than we trust in what God is speaking to our hearts, because I'm trusting what people say about me. It's the lesser. And I know, you know, and people work hard to, 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 to be called this and other. Let them call you what they want, but you make sure that you don't make that your identity. You're a believer. I don't care what school you go to. I don't care how many degrees you have. I don't care about any of that. Just don't let it become your identity. Your identity is found in Christ. So when God speaks something to your heart and gives us what we need to do and sets before us life and death, blessings and cursing, sometimes, listen, it is our own trust in ourselves our own identification that causes us not to choose life. Because it's like, well, yeah, but, you know, explain that to me. Because, you know, I'm, you know, I don't know if that's all that. Because you want people to explain it to you according to your identity and because, and, and according to the world system. And then, you know, when you, let me, let me show you another way you can identify that you're into your own identity. When you say, I'm not that type of person. Oh, no, 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 that's just not me. Oh, no, that's not, that's just not going to work for me. See, that's my identity. Oh, no, you don't know, you you don't know who I am. No, that's not how how I work. See, I, I don't work like that. See, I have to be willing to sacrifice how I have identified myself. Because we can easily fall into it. Look, this is culturally. This is gender-wise. Race-wise. Education-wise. On every hand. If I have something that I have put my trust in, that it, it, it violates who God has made me to be, I have to stop. I'm going to have to sacrifice that in order to make the right decisions. I have, to, I have to sacrifice all of that to make the right decisions about my church, about my life. If I'm going to be able to understand that there are some things we've allowed, listen, to become a part of our identity that didn't come from God. See, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta search yourself and say, you know, and that wasn't for me, you know, I got that from there. I got that from the school of institution that I went to. That institution I went to, you know, I adopted that and I kept it. You gotta identify it. Is it causing you not to be what God has made you to be? I'm going to have to sacrifice in order to make the right decisions. And in order for us to move the church forward in this new dispensation of time that we find ourselves in, we're going to have to be willing to sacrifice some of our identities. Some of the things that you thought made you who you are, Listen, what made you who you are is who God 
said you are. That's it. That's it. Not necessarily the things that you're doing. That doesn't make you who you are. I have to be willing to sacrifice my identity because here's the thing. We tend to trust our identity over our Creator. That's the thing. See, it, it, and let me tell you, you, you should go to school. You should get all of that. But don't let it rule over your Creator. Let me give you an example. That's why Moses wasn't ready to obey God. Because he had identified some things about himself. And he trusted that, that identity over what God said. So he wasn't going to obey God. He was like, I can't do this. I can't. He didn't. That's why Jeremiah, go back and read about him, was not excited to do what God said. He said, I'm a child. I got some issues. Jeremiah had put more value and trust in his identity. Then he put in the, in the Creator. Sometimes we can put more trust in our identity on how we have defined ourselves, which is very sad, more than what the Creator have created us to be. Nah, that ain't nothing. I can't. Mm-mm. No, I want to be known as this. I want to be known as that. Listen, making the right decisions, letter B. I must have a willingness to sacrifice my accomplishments. We tend to trust and rely on our accomplishments. And your accomplishments is, listen, your accomplishments is not your spiritual success. It's not. Your accomplishments does not mean that you have life. You know, every day there are people with great natural accomplishments that commit suicide. Because they realize that their accomplishments accomplishments was not their life. You can go back and look into the history. People that people deemed great and they had great accomplishments. And you they committed suicide. They had this going, they had that going. But they they, they let me tell you, it did it, it didn't say that was not their life. Your accomplishments will never make you complete on the inside. Go back to that earlier scripture in Matthew. My accomplishments don't save my life because why? It's not my life. You got to recognize that this is not my life. This is not who God called me to be. Sometimes when I'm talking about sacrifice, your accomplishments, sometimes that means sacrificing potential accomplishments. That's those of you that's going, you got all these plans for your life. You, sometimes you're going to have to sacrifice potential accomplishments. Things that I want to accomplish, but they're outside of the plan of God for my life. See, sometimes we don't even consider the plan of God in life of what I want to accomplish. I want to do this. I want to do that. And this don't have nothing to do with God. Your plans, and especially you young people, your plans must be with the plan of God in your life. That's a future accomplishment. That's something that you are a potential accomplishment. Do not plan that out without God being the center. He must be the centerpiece. God, how is this accomplishment going to glorify you? 
Because a lot of times your accomplishment will take you, yeah, let me tell you, your jobs will take you far away from God, what God, and we put all our trust in it, that we can't trust anything else. That's what we trust. Note this as your letter C. Making the right decision requires a willingness to sacrifice my associations. Oh, and how many times has God dealt with us about association? Some of you wish you wish now that you had listened to God when He was telling you about leave those associations alone. Now it doesn't mean that you have to listen. It does not mean that you have to lose every person in your life. I want you to know that. Because, well, they don't want. Listen and stop. They don't want your commitments to God. <laughs> Nobody, let me tell you, don't think of yourself no highly like somebody so wrapped up in you they want this for your life. Like, let me tell you, your commitments to God. But it does not, when God says that to, to lose a, a sacrifice association, it doesn't mean losing every person in your life. But sometimes, listen, to make the right decisions, you're going to have to separate yourself from some people that you are associated with. It's just that simple. Oh, they don't want me hanging. I'm not talking, li- listen, I'm not talking to you just being stupid. Ask God about it. Listen, you have to remind yourself, listen, re- you have to remind yourself daily that people that you associate with, they are not you. They are not, and they do not determine your value. You have to tell yourself that. They're not me, and they don't determine my value. I don't have to be hooked into them because they don't determine my value. People that you associate with, they are not you. They do not determine your value. If I'm not hooked into them, I won't have no value. They don't determine your value. Oftentimes we think if I break this association or pull away from this person or withdraw from a group of people, that somehow I'm going to be the same, I'm not going to be the same person. Why not? Somehow it's going to diminish my value. A lot of times (laughs) we talk about being, uh, you know, getting away from certain associations. But sometimes it's not even association. Sometimes it's your mouth that brought you less value. Not who you associated with. You kept running your mouth. That brought you less value. So you're going to even have to blame that. Yeah, I was with them. It brought me down. No, uh-uh-uh. That would be on your face. Your mouth caused you to have less value. You know what? Some of you need to practice now being a little quieter because that's, that's just the way you're going to go before the Lord. Remember what the minister said this morning? You still have everything intact. You're going to get to run in your mouth. You need to practice being quiet now so you can stand before the judge of all without running your mouth because remember, lie won't tarry. You could be gone before you could speak. Stop. Start learning now. Just shh. When you want to talk, just say, you know what? I'm going to learn to be quiet. I'm just going to learn to be quiet. You don't know how much people appreciate it when you get quiet. Because you don't know everything. I know you think you do, but you don't. 
So they don't determine your value. They don't diminish your value. But listen, your value is not in who you associate with. Your value is who Christ has made you to be. You have to have a willingness down on the inside to separate yourself from people that are contrary from the direction that God has set for your life. And you can't make the right decision if you're trying to prove or please an association over your Savior. Stop trying to bring people in your life that's not on your path. You're just going to break off. The, let me tell you, that's how you make detours in life. You keep trying to bring people in on a path that God takes, and they're not going that direction. And guess what? They're going to pull you off of your path. You can't, listen, here we go. You cannot make the right decision if your boyfriend is more important to you than the Redeemer. Never. You can't make the right decision if your girlfriend is more important than your Redeemer. You can't make the right decision. You can't make the right decision if your job, if somebody on your job, you care about what people think on your job about you. If that becomes more important, you're not going to make the right decision. Because you're trying to please them. You want them to look at you a certain way. Go with me. Last, last up, James chapter 4. Final point of the day. Making the right decision requires that I sacrifice my relationship with the world. Sacrifice it. It's the lesser. Believe me, it's the lesser. Did you hear me? It's the lesser. I must sacrifice my relationship in, uh, with the world. Remember James, uh, Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 16, he said, What does it profit you if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? Listen, you can gain everything but lose your soul. What benefit would it be? At the day of judgment, what benefit would it be? What benefit would it be if you had the big house, nine cars, you had everything you wanted. You had a big bank account. What, do it, what will it benefit you once you're out of this body? What? I must be willing to sacrifice my relationships with the world. And I use the word relationship intentionally. Your relationship with the world. That is, what we tend to have with the world is a relationship. And I'm going to prove it to you. A relationship with the world. And if you think about it, if, if you just think about it when I say relationship with the world, it takes on the characteristic of a relationship. Listen to me. I'm going to show you how it takes on the, 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 the characteristic of, a, of, of a, just a human relationship, your relationship with the world. We check to see how the world is doing. See, that's gaining the relationship. We want to know what the world is up to. Oh, we get upset if something is going on in the world and we don't know about it. What? what? See, a relationship. We get excited when the world has something new to offer us. Just like the checks. Something new to offer me. I'm excited. 
People start talking more when they get a check. They even talk to their enemies, they get a check. Carol, I'm going to go on and forgive them. Girl, I'm going to cash this check and go on and forgive them. I'm tired of this mess. I don't have to do that, girl. I, girl, let's get on over to Nordstrom now. I'm through with that. I'm like, see, a relationship. People start doing anything you ask them to do. Go run here for me. Okay. Got me a check. See, anything, anything that people like that, they, it, it won't, it won't be in their hands long. But I'm telling you, you, all of those different things, you get excited when the world has something new to offer you. Now, doesn't that sound very much like a relationship? What you doing? Some of you, before you, when you, you, you know, when you were dating your spouse, everything, didn't you used to ask those questions? Hey, Carl, what you doing? Because you were in a relationship. And if, they, if, if something was going on with them you didn't know about, you'd get upset. Well, why I didn't know that? And see, when the world, with same thing. What you been up to today, babe? Oh, and let me show you. Still in a relationship. We don't want somebody else to know what's going on in the world before we do. What? Well, wait a minute. Let me go look at Let me see. Let me see if that's true. Let me go and look at the news so I can find out before everybody else. What's happening in the world. But if I'm going to make the right decisions, I'm going to have to sacrifice the relationship with the world. Now, just think about it. I'm just going to take you on a trip and you just think about it. Think about the time in your life that you were ready to serve God. Remember early. Let's talk about early years. You were ready to serve God. But you were not quite ready to give up the relationship with the world. I'm saved now, but, you know, you still wasn't quite ready to fully, fully divorce the world. You still want to keep a little bit of the world or a little bit of that relationship on the side. As a side chick. Because see, you, you got saved, but you still want to know what's going on in the world. See, you, see, you, did, you didn't want you, want, you didn't want to just give up the world altogether. But do I have to just give it up altogether? You really, you wanted the world to still be your best friend, but just not in a relationship. You didn't really want to completely divorce the thing. Listen, you were not really ready for the world to go away. But you got saved. You didn't want it to go away while you go another way. Like, oh, oh. that's when you start saying, I can't do that anymore. Oh, when I was in the world, it was better. Oh going the other way and when you will wait and when you can't realize listen when you realize that you couldn't serve two masters you love one and despise the other that's when it got real I have to divorce you learn that you in order to trust and serve God you're going to have to give up that relationship with the world that and see 
especially I'm, I'm, I'm trying to minister to you young people too. Listen, stop trying to go after the world. See, you don't want to give it up altogether. Still want to kind of dab in it. Making the right decision requires a willingness to sacrifice worldly pleasures. Worldly pleasures, they are the lesser things. And you got to be willing to give up the lesser to get the greater. Listen, all, all, everybody say all. Everybody say all. All worldly pleasures, listen, are short term. All of them. You have to be willing to give up short-term pleasure for a long-term gain. All of it is short. Listen, you have to sacrifice worldly pleasures. Let them be consumed on the altar. Never to go back that way again. Look at James chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. From which come wars and fightings among you? Come they also, come they not hence, even of your lust? that war in your members. Ye lust and ye have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. We ask and receive not because we ask amiss and that we may consume it on our own lust. Ye adulterers and adulteress, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God, whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now that just settles it. You ain't got to, I don't care who called themselves saved. If they're doing, if they're in love with the world, doing what the world do, God said they're my enemy. Now you can make them in your mind that they saved and they with God, but God just told you they're an enemy of God. Listen, God don't want no open relationship. God's not into open relationships. A little bit of the world, a little bit, no. Friendship with the world. Enemies of God. That means if I'm going to make a right decision, it requires, let it be, the willingness to sacrifice worldly gain. Worldly gain. I'm telling you, all the different things that the world is offering, I'm telling you, you don't have to be caught up in that. You don't have to want that. You don't have to say, okay, this is what... Listen, you got to divorce yourself from the world. You live in it, but you're not of it. Are you with me? You have to have a willingness to sacrifice worldly gain. Pastor, listen, are you saying I shouldn't work? No, you got to work. Don't try to get out of that one. Are you saying I shouldn't earn money? No, you need to earn a living. You have to do that. What I'm saying is you have to sacrifice, here we go, the pursuit of wealth at the expense of your relationship with God. There's the difference. See, you can do all the different things and, and want all the different different things and, and, and go after it, but it can't be the pursuit of it at the expense of your relationship with God. Brother Turner, I heard you at the young men, I mean the 
next gen meeting and you were talking about you know different things and making money this is for you it's nothing wrong with trying to make money it's nothing more to better in your life but you can never pursue it pursue any kind of wealth at the expense of your relationship with God yes you have to work nothing wrong with looking at good opportunity but wait is it going to interfere or is it going to take weight over my relationship with God, that's where it stops. God is your source. I have to sacrifice the pursuit of wealth at the expense of a relationship with God. Now, did I just say you shouldn't, you shouldn't go after making money or having a good life? I did not say that. I said you cannot go after wealth at the expense of your relationship with God. You listen, because the reason why that is, you will never ever be able to serve both. You won't ever be able to serve both. You're going to serve one and hate the other. It's no way. It's no way you're never going to be able to serve both. That's what you have to look at. I have to choose one. And I choose my relationship with God. I cannot, I will not let the pursuit of wealth get in the way of my relationship with God. And I have seen so many people in this ministry, ministries all over the world, but I'm talking about I've seen so many people in this ministry, a Bible teaching church, get sucked right back into the world. In the pursuit of wealth. This dangling before them like a carrot. Their families start to fall apart. Don't even know it. They live in the same house. Still families falling apart. Marriage starts to crumble. Their children start going to straight. Yeah, you might have young children now, but they're going to grow up. All because you would not give up the adulterous relationship with worldly gain. That's for someone. Telling you all because you wouldn't give up worldly gain. And in the pursuit of worldly gain, listen, you did it at the expense of your relationship with an almighty God. And it's going to come a day that you're going to have to pay for that. Get away from that. Say, nope. I, mm -mm. You cannot. Everybody say cannot. Go that way and think you're going to have success. You won't. It'll take you away from God. You might even have success as far as the world concerned. But you know what? Yes, most of the time those people, they work so hard and work so many jobs to have money. And they die killing themselves trying to make money. And then they have to stand before a holy God. You can seek natural success. Listen. You can seek natural success. But you can't seek it at the expense of your relationship. And your obedience to our Heavenly Father. You can seek natural success, but never at the expense of your relationship and obedience to the Father. Because why? Because natural or worldly gain is the lesser. And you have to exchange the lesser for the greater. Letter C, final one. Making the right decision requires a willingness to sacrifice worldly vanity. 
Worldly vanity. What's worldly vanity? All these things that are in the world that are hollow, frail, and fleeting. Worldly vanities. They are hollow, frail, and fleeting. You're going to have to sacrifice those things like trends and fads, things that have no val- no real value in order to be able to make the right decisions. You're going to have to sacrifice the latest this, the latest that, the latest apps, <laughs> the latest platform, the latest, you know, the latest way to do this, the latest way to do that. You're going to have to sacrifice those things to make sure that when God tells you, here, choose life. When he teaches a word and he's telling you, choose life, that you're not so caught up in those frail, hollow, fleeting things that you don't hear him. That's for somebody else. If you're caught up in those frail, hollow, uh, fleeting things, you won't hear God when he tells you. Choose life. Because in every message, he's showing you how to choose life. And those things that are frail, fleeting, and and, uh, uh, passing away, hollow, they have no real value. And you don't want to miss out on the greater things. But you can. And you will miss out on the greater things by going after Fleeting, hollow, frail things that you think make you who you are. God has already told you who you are. Stay with that. Stay with that. God is interested in your life. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.